be here with you. Um, I am super excited. Uh, obviously, uh, you know my father, Tom. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just excited to be filling in for him today, as he's obviously absent. Uh, <laughs> he told me you guys were good. You don't do spitballs or booze halfway through the sermon, so that's nice. Uh, no, I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, just just a little bit about me, uh, just in case you don't know me. Yeah, I, I am the worship leader over for New Life Norwich. Um, yes, my beautiful wife and I, we are expecting our first child in August. We are super excited for that. I also prided myself for a long time of being a Chicago city kid, born and raised in the northwest side of Chicago, right over here. And, uh, you know, you get married, and I was like, I'm never moving out of the city. And then she was a suburb girl her whole life. And so she was like, we got to have a driveway. We got to have this. I was like, gosh, I don't want to move out of the city. I did one time, and I was like, hey, you know what? It's not that bad. You know what I mean? Maybe we got to give it a try. There's not... <laughs> Not as many taxes. Um, <laughs> no, but that's just a little bit about me. Guys, I'm so excited to be here. And uh, just to reiterate, I think a lot of what we were talking about during worship, I get nervous doing this. I get nervous talking. And I think um, my nervousness stems from the fact that I think I have to make it happen. And that I got to say the right words um, so that you could hear it or understand what I'm saying. And um, I think it couldn't have been more clear this morning that that responsibility is far out of my hands. It really is. Um, my job is just to deliver the word, and honestly, I just need to get out of the way because God's word speaks powerfully, and what I would advise you is even past this uh, time here today, read it, open it, let God speak to you because you, <laughs> you don't need a pastor. You don't need a pastor. Um, God's word will speak to you. Amen? All right, so... We're going to go in and dig into uh, one of the Beatitudes today, but before that, let's just pray. If you could join me. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for you. <laughs> I, um, God, I, I'm sorry that I'm so reliant and I naturally default to my own strength. Um, I want to say on some stuff, but if I'm going to be honest, it's on everything. Um, but God, I'm grateful that you're gracious with me and you're patient with us. God, I'm great, grateful that you are more powerful than me and <laughs> you think through everything. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that I can rely on you, that all I have to do is read your word and that you'll do the hard work. God, I pray that as we are listening to the scriptures today, that you would open ears to hear, that you would soften hearts, that you'd be able to imprint what you're saying on our hearts this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you could open with me to Matthew, we are going to continue with our series through the Beatitudes. We'll start five, chapter 5, verse 1 of Matthew, and we'll go all the way to verse 5. Give you a sec. All right, ready? Let's do it. It says this. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And this is what we're going to highlight today, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom. Um, Meekness is a real, meek, that word, it's real interesting. I feel like this is almost one of the Beatitudes that gets passed over, you know what I mean? It's like right in the middle, nobody kind of knows what it means. It sounds like weak, so most people kind of are like, eh, I don't know if that's necessarily what I want to focus on too much. Um, I don't know about you, but when I think meek, kind of my, my head automatically goes to thinking of weakness, right? Guy with a kind of a limp handshake. Right, um, someone who's more of a pushover. Um, that's kind of where my mind goes. But I assure you this, that Jesus is not calling you to that. Um, he is calling us to a form of surrender, to be weak so that he could be strong, but not like that. And I think if we think of it as weakness, we totally misunderstand what he's saying. And I think there's something really good here um, that honestly applies to all of our lives. So stick with me here. Um, you know, 
Jesus is not saying that we need to be weak. We're going to look at what is meekness today, and we're going to look at what does it mean to be meek. So let's hop into that first question. What is meekness or meek? And I know I don't like to do this a whole lot, but this was a fun word to say. The Latin origin of meek is mansutus. Could you say that, mansutus? It's kind of a, it's a breakup of two words. But basically, when you combine them together in Latin, it means this, use to the hand. Use to the hand. What does that mean? Because that sounds weird and cryptic, right? Am I the only one? No, okay. It makes sense when you're thinking of it because it's referring to the taming of wild animals, in particular horses, right? So when you have a horse, I don't know if you've ever watched any like Hallmark movie or horse movie, but at first they try to be like, oh girl, calm down. They're always like horses bucking and screaming and trying to kick somebody and usually doesn't even want to be touched. The fact that it's captured, it's resisting it all, with all of its strength, with all of its power, it's resisting. And then eventually you see halfway or, you know, through the end of the movie, eventually they break the horse. And what happens? The person's go, whoa, 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 and pet the horse. And the horse doesn't freak out. And they can put a saddle on the horse. And it doesn't freak out. Right? So that's what it means. Use to the hand. So we're going to see how that applies to us. So how does that relate to me? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves. Matthew Henry said this, and this is a rough truth, but hang with me. Man's corrupt nature has made him like a wild donkey. But the grace of meekness, when it takes the dominion of the soul, it alters the temper. It brings the soul to hand, and it submits the soul to management. You see, left on our own, we are bound to rebel against God, right? That's just the truth. We are sinful. We are, we are, root, we are like, it's like down to our bones we're sinful, right? We have impulses and passions that, that flare up because we're so sinful, right? Um, we see this too in Isaiah 53, 6. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. Um, the hard truth is, is we need to be meek because by ourselves, we are like wild animals, unwilling to be tamed. Now, I'm not saying you're an animal. That's not what I'm trying to say. And don't take it that way. But there's characteristics that are similar. So like, like he was saying, right? It's the resisting of management. And what is that long, I said that whole long thing, but the thing that stood out to me in particular is that it brings the soul to hand and submits the soul to management. Management. I don't know about you, but I feel like in the common, like in our day right now, I, I noticed it like this. Nobody likes to be told what to do, right? And you know that as a kid, right, when your parents tell you something, but I never quite experienced it when I moved out of my parents' house and I got my own place for the first time, you know what I mean? You get your own place, you're like, woo, look at me, this is my, you feel like a king, you know what I mean? You could eat pizza, in whatever clothes you want, at whatever time you want, you could go to bed, you could do whatever you want. Um, it's all fun and games, though, and some, until someone tells you what to do with your stuff. <laughs> You're not going to tell me what to do in my house. You know what I mean? You get married, and then all of a sudden you have another voice that you have to listen to, a beautiful voice. She's awesome. I'm not trying to deny her or say anything we bad. You know what I mean? But, hey, I want the bed like this. Actually, thinking it should go like this. <laughs> I don't know about that. You know what I mean? Our soul naturally wants to be in control. And so, naturally, we will fight God for control of our lives. Meekness is a God given gift of being submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. We can't produce the strength on our own. We can't. We can't. We can't produce this in our own strength. We can't try hard enough. But I will say this. We say an awful lot of, I accept you as Lord and Savior. And we love the Savior part. We hate the Lord part. You know why? Because he gets to tell us what to do. He gets to tell us what to do. And now I will say this. There are some people who are meek and will display those things, but it's in their own strength. Right there, it looks similar, but what God's calling us to in the meek that He's describing 
can only be done by a work of the Holy Spirit living inside us. You know what that means? You can't fake it. You can fake it to all of us, but ultimately, you can't fake God. You can't, you can't fake him out. You can't have a good enough Christian disguise to do it. Um, but it's a beautiful thing, too, because on the flip side of that coin, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you know that you trust in him for salvation, guess what? He's assuring it, and he's going to make sure that it happens in your life, and that's a beautiful thing. So we see this journey, um, you know, how do we see that it's not producing our own strength? How do we see that it fits in with all the other Beatitudes? We, we go on this little journey through the Beatitudes, and that's why I wanted to go through it. Um, and we have this, like, progression of those who are truly followers of Jesus, right? We start off in poor in spirit, coming to the Lord, asking for salvation, but poor in spirit, meaning literally I'm bankrupt. I got nothing. We're pleading on our knees to the Lord, please save me. I have nothing, Right? Then he gives us salvation, right? He opens our eyes. We're saved. The relationship is restored, right? And as he opens our eyes, because we're poor in spirit, that's how we even realized it in the first place, we become deeply mournful of our brokenness and sinfulness, right? And that's the blessed are those who mourn, right? It's that it's not realizing, hey, I messed up and I'm crying because I got caught. This is, man, God, You've caught me. You, you chose to love me, and I'm sinful to the bone. I don't have, like, a sin problem every once in a while. It's all the time. It affects every part of me. And on top of that, I was your enemy. Why would you love me? Why would you love me? And it, in a way, it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Other than the fact that he says, I choose to love you. Um, that's a beautiful thing. When we come to God with nothing, we realize we are so deeply sinful and an enemy of God. And instead of giving us damnation or judgment, which we deserve, he gives us salvation and love. We are willing to submit our lives to God. Amen. Like it says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, when you, it, that's why I, I love and I'm personally grateful for my dad, um, who I've heard teach all my life. And one of the things that I love is that he um, always goes back to the scriptures. You know what I mean? He doesn't try to add on to anything. And one of the hard truths of scripture is we need Jesus. We need him. Bad. Not like an add-on. It's life or death because on our own strength, we have nothing to come to God with. Um, but the beautiful thing of that is that when you realize who you are, and when you realize what he's done for you, tell me you won't do anything, man. Think about the first time you got saved. Man, you were willing to run down the street with flyers to tell any person. You know what I mean? Any person that stopped by you, you're like, I'll evangelize to you right now. Let's do it. You know what I mean? You're willing to throw VBSs. You're willing to open a church, you know, build an orphanage, right? Um, the hard thing is, is that over time, we forget that sort of stuff. We forget that truth. It becomes more, uh, we hear it again and again, and it becomes dull. It becomes dull in our minds. And so then we, we forget that. And then we go, yeah, yeah, I know he saved me. And then we become a little less willing. You know what I mean? That's the struggle, and that's something I struggle with too. Just like a wild horse, we go from trying to buck God off of us, right, as he's trying to get us used to the hand, um, we go from trying to get him off us to being used to the hand of God. And now we follow where he leads and um, where he leads us and listen to his commands over our impulses. Quick story. So like I told you, I'm always <laughs> nervous before every single sermon. Um, I think it's just, again, I don't do it a whole lot. And so I was talking to him and he goes, how's everything going? And I was like, it's good, you know. And he's like, I was like, I'm just nervous. And he goes, trust in Jesus. He's like, you're going to do great. I'm proud of you. Right? And I was like, thanks. It's very fitting that uh, we're talking about submitting and surrendering this week when I'm doing something that naturally I want to just run away from and never do. Right? <laughs> and he goes, I get it. Trust in Jesus. And I go, <laughs> I go, personally, I'm not a huge fan of God's methodologies in growing me. But last time I checked, he didn't ask me. 
<laughs> Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth in your life when you ask God, when you're asking him, Lord, grow me, and he throws you in situations, you're like, man, why did I open my mouth? Why did I do it? But as we look from the 10,000-foot view, we go, man, God, thank you so much for leading me in that direction. Man, I was <laughs> ready to walk off a cliff. I had no idea what I was doing. Lord, you know everything. Thank you for leading me and guiding me. Thank you for getting me, breaking me in and getting me used to your hand, your touch, so that I'm submitting to where you want me to go. God uses meekness to deal with the internal impulses and sinful issues that are constantly within us. So let's go to that second question. What does it mean to be meek? Colin Smith says this. Meekness is submitting to God's word, submitting to people, and submitting to God's will. So let's break each one of those down, right? It's kind of a lot. Let's give some practical examples because I don't want us to just have head knowledge and that's it. Right? So let's look at that first one. Submitting to God's word. The Bible, right? In simplest terms, this means to do what God says, right? We believe what he's telling us and we do what he says. Yeah, it's great in theory. I don't know anybody who's doing that perfect. Can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> so submitting to God's word, the Bible, in simplest terms, it means to do what God says and to believe. This means that we hear from the Bible, right, as we're reading, as we're here on Sundays, as we're in our life groups, right, all the more important to be in them. But here's the flip side. It's not just hearing, but it's also the doing. We are responsible and will be held accountable to do what God commands for us. That's the hard part, man. Church is a great place to be in for believers. It's where we should be every Sunday. The hard part of that is God knows what we hear. God knows what we hear every Sunday. And he's, held, he's holding us accountable to that, which is a good thing because sometimes we need to be held accountable. I don't know about you. I, I do says this in James 1.21, Receive with meekness the implanted word, the Bible, which is able to save your souls. Those who are meek are like soft wax. As we read the Bible, God can imprint on us. What does that mean? Think about it like um, you've seen one of those old medieval movies, right? And you got the king that's trying to send a letter or a scroll or something like that. And how do they, how do they close it off, right? They don't send an email. No, they got the scroll, they wrap it up, and they have a wax seal, right? And on the, on the wax, what you have to do is melt it down or soften it by heating it up. And then the ring, the ring of the king pushes down on the wax, and that's how you get the seal. So when somebody looks, they go, oh, that's from the king, right? So think about this in our own lives. What we're being called to, what meekness produces, um, you know, if we are meek, if we're pursuing meekness, as we're in God's word, as we're being in his presence constantly, our hearts are going to get softened. Our hearts are going to get softened to what he says, right? At first, you're, you're distant. You don't feel like you're hearing from God. But then all of a sudden, you get in his word, and what happens? He's speaking to you. You're starting to look around and be like, did he plant that verse right now? You know what I mean? It's almost like he's reading your mind. Ever have those situations, right? The beautiful thing is we, um, when God's imprinting on us, we become people who are not just biblical head knowledge people, right? Um, but we're changed by the word of God. And I think that's the biggest thing. Those who are meek don't just have the biblical head knowledge because we read it and we went to Iwana or we went to church or we went to a life group and we go, that's great, thank you. Because can I be honest with you, if we do that, um, especially parents too, I, I you know, I'm not there yet, but I've seen it enough with youth groups, um, people my age, a lot of parents and a lot of people go to church because they think it's the right thing to do. And it is the right thing to do. You should be here. But if that's all it becomes and you want your kids to follow Christ, but you just come just to pay your dues, they see through that. They see through that. And that's just a hard truth. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody or say you're a terrible person. That's just what I've seen. But the beautiful thing is, is that as we get in God's word and we ask him, Lord, would you make me meek? Would you soften my heart? It's not just head knowledge. It's not just head knowledge anymore. The things that you hear and the things that you read, there'll be things that'll pop up that you read 
three months ago that all of a sudden you're in a situation and you're like, God, please help me. Bam, verse right there for you. Your character starts to transform. Why? Because you're a good person and you're a good studier? No, because God's word is powerful. It is his words coming to you, directly to you from him. It's the inspired word of God. That's a beautiful thing. I'm really grateful for that. Amen. Are we submitting to the word of God or are we still calling the shots? And this is where it's going to get a little bit confrontational, so just stay with me here. The hard thing is, is that, like I said earlier, we need to be held, we're held accountable and we're responsible to not just be hearers, but to be doers of the word. So are we submitting to the word of God or are we still calling the shots? What do I mean by that? All right. Are you picking and choosing what verses you want to follow? That's a really common thing now, right? Oh, I like that one because that one makes sense. Or, oh, I like to hear that pastor because he talks more about this. And I don't like some of the other stuff that he talks about. I just kind of want more of a positive message. No. <laughs> you know what that is? That's choosing your own Bible, right? Um, I, my wife and I went to the Bible Museum um, in Washington, D.C. last Memorial Day. And I'm a big history guy. One thing I know in particular, one Bible I should say that's a little infamous, is the Thomas Jefferson Bible. Why is it infamous, you might ask yourself. Thomas Jefferson, again, third president of the United States, this great guy, helped, you know, write all these, like, documents, the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, was involved in all that. The problem is, is that when he went to the Word of God, he would cut out the parts he didn't like. He would cut them out of the Bible. So as you would open it, you would see certain passages that he liked, and then the ones he disagreed with, gone. The hard truth is, is that if you tell someone, I'm reading my Bible, and they're like, man, that's great. But are you choosing, are you picking and choosing the passages that you like and skipping over the ones you don't want to read? Are you submitting to only the passages that sound good to you? Or, and this is one that I've dealt with several times, are you avoiding reading the Bible at all? And the hard truth of that is, as I was thinking through that, that shows that we aren't even really interested in submitting because we don't even want to hear what God has to say. And that's a hard truth that, I, that I've had to deal with and that I um, was honestly really hit with this week was, man, there's been times where I've been like, man, I'm just too busy. You know what I mean? I, I've learned that as a, as a guy who's gotten married, right? I was like, man, I'm busy just as a single guy. You get engaged, you're like, man, getting married? I'm so busy, I don't know what to do. Then you get married, and then you think it's going to be like, you're good. And then you realize one trip to Target after work, and that's your whole day. You know what I mean? <laughs> you laugh because you know what I'm talking about. I didn't understand why my parents were exhausted. But you know what the funny thing is? I always found that in every season of my life, there was always an excuse. There was always an excuse and I would always say that I was interested in submitting, but that doesn't really match up with what God's saying here. I just want to read this from James chapter 1. Um, this, is, this is verses 22 through 25. It says, Be doers of the word and not hearers deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intensely at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So let's look into this next point. I don't want to harp on that forever. Submitting to people. We see this um, in particular in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, that God is calling us to submit ourselves to God's people, the church, as well as others, out of respect for Jesus. If you consider yourself, and I just want to make this clear, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you need to be involved in a church. You need to be involved in a church. 
There ain't no Lone Ranger Christians, as much as we might want to say that there is. That goes back to the first point. We're creating our own scriptures that we like. We're creating our own Thomas Jefferson Bible. Right? But especially when it comes to meekness, you can't even grow in the area um, unless you have relationships, constant relationships. And can I be honest? This is a perfect place for it. And I just want to say this. I just want to commend you. Just based, uh, based off of what we're hearing from announcements, man, thank you guys for doing this. Thank you guys for doing this. I'm not even involved in this church. I just get to be a guest and to see all these things, and I get to hear from my dad everything that's going on. Man, that's life in this church. That's life in this church. I want this church to thrive. You know why? Because I got an uncle two blocks away from here that I know doesn't follow the Lord, and I want him to. And I want there to be so much noise out of this place. I want, there, I want people to hear that there's life in this place, and I want them to come. I want them to come. I want them to be saved. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um, but we need others to grow. You know why? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because like any other relationship, more than just, hey, how you doing, bud? Great, thanks, okay. Constant relationships will try you, right? <laughs> That's just a basic fact. So here's some examples of areas of submitting to others. Be forewarned, I feel like I got biblically pimp-smacked by the Lord when I heard this. I was literally weeping on my floor, <laughs> being like, God, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> it hit so hard. Number one, I, I identify as, um, or the thing I identify is forgiveness as an area of submitting to others. You know why that's difficult and how you could apply that to church here? How many of you have been in church for like more than a year? have been in a small group for more than a year, right? Let's just be honest. This is all in love, and this goes for every single church, not just this one. We're all a little crazy. You know what I mean? Like, we all got, we all got a little craziness to us. There's some stuff that's awesome that we love. You stick around someone long enough, and you're like, there's sometimes I want to avoid you, buddy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Eventually, someone's going to say something in love, um, which they think's in love. And it's not in love. I'll give you a quick example. When we started Norwich, to be fair, I've been, I've been leading worship since I was 17. So I'm coming up on like 10 years. When I started, I got out wasn't very good. But the people in charge, um, the worship leader that I was under, super grateful for, was like praying, felt that God was calling me to be a worship leader. And it caused a lot of controversy, right? Thank God I had him because I didn't hear a lot of it. Well, then fast forward to Norwich when there is no more worship leader over me and I'm the guy and they come to our grand opening. And I had one person go, oh, my gosh, I just want to say I remember when you started at, Por at Portage Park and I was thinking they were going to say something nice. Right. So I was like, oh, yeah, thank you so much. Right. We're already doing the rounds of like niceties and stuff. And this lady goes, you were so bad. But now. You're good. <laughs> and I literally was like, oh, oh, like I felt like I got like the wind knocked out of me. Um, and to be honest, I don't think she was trying to say it mean. You know what I mean? As I look back on it, she was trying to say something nice. But man, was that a backhanded compliment? <laughs> if I've ever seen one. And can I tell you something? If you're going to be here for the long haul, if you're considering this your church, there are people that you love here that in a month from now you might want to strangle. There just, there just is, you know what I mean? People are going to step on your toes, but now our obligation, instead of getting payback or getting even, no, now we have to be submitted to those people. We have our obligation is because we've been shown forgiveness by Christ to us, and our offense is more, is bigger to him, and he forgave us. Now my obligation is to forgive them. And to not call it quits on church and say, I'm church hurt and I got to leave. My obligation is to stick around and to restore things. Next thing I see is humility. And that's a big one, uh, especially I, I'm in the corporate world. I do IT. And the, the thing that I'm, I, I feel like I'm constantly, sh you know, like hit with and, and just shot at all the time is pumping yourself up, right? All about, I got this certification. I went to this school, 
I've been doing IG for this long. I need administrator in my title name, right? It's always pumping up yourself. Trust me, if you don't know what I'm talking about, get a LinkedIn account for like two weeks. If you're on LinkedIn, you'll know what I'm talking about. Everyone's like, I went to this college. I went to this event. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at me. Countercultural here. God's calling us away from that sort of stuff. Now, instead of thinking how great you are, you realize that you're just as bad as everyone else. Right? No one is below you. And the fact that you're even in the pew right now is because you were saved by grace, and that's nothing less than a miracle. Amen? And I'll be honest, when you first come in and your head's hanging down low, that's real easy to not act meek or to act meek and to, to be uh, submitting to, to people, right, as they come in and you hear situations or you see kind of dysfunction in other people who might be new or just other people in your church. It's real easy. But then over time, as you get settled, as you're growing, it's real easy to forget where you came from and where God delivered you from. And then all of a sudden, it it flips. You know what I mean? Oh, I can't, you know, I can't stack chairs. That's not my role. That's not, I'm more of a worship person. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't, I need to lead a small group. I I, I can't necessarily join one. You know what I mean? Or I don't really want to invest time with that person. I just seem, they seem too messy. No longer. Humility, right? That's where God's going to grow us. The other thing that I see, and this was big, gentleness. <laughs> oh, there we go. We're back on. Gentle. When someone frustrates me or when I'm flustered, my obligation is not to treat people or is to treat people with gentleness instead of a harsh word or being rude. And can I be honest with you? That one's real easy. You know why? Because I realize everyone's schedules the same we're running and correct me if i'm wrong here you wake up you go to work after work you got to go from a thing to a thing to a thing to a thing to the left to the left to the you know what i mean but no you're running from thing to thing to thing to thing you haven't eaten dinner or maybe you got some in tupperware that you're eating in your car you got food spilling all over the place if you even got food and then of course someone's going to be like Asking you a dumb question. You know what I mean? Or someone's calling you and being like, maybe being a little too pestering for you. Hey, could you pray for me? Hey, could you give me this? Hey, you said that you were going to be here at this time. Why are you late? And what's the response automatically? Don't tell me what to do. I'm busy. You don't know my schedule. So calm down. I'll get to you eventually. Right? That's what I want to say. No more. No more. God's calling us to be meek. He's calling us to be gentle, gentle. And I'll share this real quick. I don't want to go too long. Think about right after the Israelites have been delivered, right? The right, right out of Egypt, Moses just delivered, or I should say God delivered them, used Moses, crossed the Red Sea. Now they're in the desert, and now what? They're just in the desert, right? All the safety and all the everything they knew, gone. And what's the first thing that they say? Moses, you brought us in the desert to kill us. Yeah, because that makes sense, right? You know what I mean? God literally just split the Red Sea so he could kill you on the other side. That's right. That's real smart. Right? That's what my thought is. I read that, and I'm like, you just need like a little smack. You know what I mean? Just, just saying. But what does Moses do? He goes up and prays for them, pleads to them with God. Gentle response. And that's something because that guy ain't doing it in his own strength because that's the same guy who struck the rock and couldn't go into the promised land. Right? It kind of leads into our next one too. Patient. I need to be patient with others because Christ has been patient with me. Going back to the use to the hand. The, the horse example, right, that we're being led. How many times has he led us in a direction? How many times has he guided us to do something? 
and all we did was buck the system. No, 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 I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to do it. And the funny thing is, going back to kind of everything that we're talking about, I see it especially with people that maybe are mentoring other people. Sometimes you get to see the same pulling back that you've done, and you don't have the patience for them. It's tough. It's tough, and everybody does it. You know what I mean? But God's calling us to be patient. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 3. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you not look to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Can I tell you something that that seems um that seems impossible? You know what I mean? It seems like this is the worst thing that God's ever set us up for. But I was totally reminded by this as I was studying. What's the first word in that verse? Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed. Blessed. You know why? And this never occurred to me until I studied it. Praise God. This is a blessing because naturally your impulses, the anger, the frustration, the harshness, the pride will ruin you. It will ruin your relationships. Parents, it will ruin your relationship with your kids, spouses. I know this now. It will ruin your relationship with your spouse if you let it come out of your mouth, right? You ever been there? Say something and then go, shouldn't have said that. Yikes. It's destructive. But we are blessed to pursue meekness. We are blessed that God is ensuring these things in the lives of those who he's saved. Why? Because it's calming those things down. It's going, whoa, whoa, calm down. And before where we are bucking the system, no, 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 it's my way. We eventually go, no, Lord, it's your way. And eventually, he'll get us to the point when someone says something a little disrespectful or a little, they set you off a little bit, catches you on the wrong time. We don't blow up on somebody. We're able to be self-controlled, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Amen? As the worship team comes forward, I think they are coming forward. I want to go to this last point. Um, and this is the last part. Submit to God's will. And this is not going to be a long one. But I want us to visualize with me. It's night. There's a garden. You have a few men asleep. You have another guy hunched over a rock. He's sweating so hard, he's bleeding. This is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Knowing that in a few hours he's going to die. We see meekness perfectly displayed by Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he will soon pay for our sins with his life. And what does he say? My father, if it is not possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Can I tell you something? We're not going to do that perfectly because that's Jesus. I am so grateful that Jesus is our high our great high priest, amen, who could relate to us in every single way. You know why? Because he's tempted with the same things. You don't do this, Jesus. You know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. They're not going to loyally follow you. Don't do it. But what does he say? Not my will, but yours be done. Right? Jesus is calling us to submit ourselves to God's will, even at great cost to ourselves, just like him, right? I find that even though it's tough, 
It brings me peace because I trust my life and the lives of my friends and my family to the Lord. When I stop submit or when I stop submitting to God and when I try to take control of my life, I don't know about you, but I am filled with anxiety. I am at my bitiest ever. I can't enjoy things. I'm miserable. And I worry because I try to control things that, honestly, deep down inside, if I was honest, I know I can't control. And I'll just be personal for a minute. Obviously, we're having our baby. I told you like a million times at this point, I'm super excited to be a dad. Um, it has been really nerve-wracking because, because I can't see the baby. There are times that you go, is the baby okay? You know what I mean? Um, we were a high-risk pregnancy. Man, is this even going to happen? God, what if, you, what if you give us this baby and then you take the baby away? You know what I mean? Um, and every time I would try to control that situation, I would try to grasp it by working harder, right? Every time I would think that something would be going hard or bad at my job, and I'm like, no, I need to take control. I need to, to, to take the reins and, and bring it back in because I need to provide for my boy and my wife. Man, I was miserable. I was miserable trying to control something. like It was like trying to grab smoke. You know what I'm talking about? Is that just me? Every time I was worried about my baby, I'm, I'm fretting. I'm, I'm worried sick. I would lose sleep over something that I can't even control. Praise God, he's doing really great. But man, there's been some times. There's been some times where I worry. I worry. Every appointment that we go to, there's always the thought, he's not going to be okay. And I fret, and I get nervous, and I try to control it, and... It's only until that I go, Lord, you're the only one who can control this, that I find peace. And in a world that tells you, you got to take the reins, you got to make it happen. If you want something done, it can happen. You got to make it happen. Man, those people are miserable. Man, those people are miserable. I have a friend that was a lawyer. Uh, I'm sorry, she was a mechanical engineer, super smart, went to high school with her. She was super successful at college. And I remember... This is when I was working part-time IT for the church. I'm making like a quarter of probably what she makes. You know what I mean? I'm feeling like a failure. But I was grateful um, because at that time, I, God was growing me through our young adults group. Just a you know, quick shout-out to life groups. You need to be there. Um, right in our men's group, he was speaking to me. And I just remember talking to her. Um, I, I, like we talked over like Instagram or something. And she was, I was looking at her life, and I was like, man, she's made it. She's got it made. She's a mechanical engineer. She's probably making so much money, I wouldn't even know what to do with it. And she's like, yeah, you know, I rent these condos from time to time, and I travel from city to city to city. And as we were talking, it, the bragging went from, like, super cool to, like, sad. You know what I mean? Where it's like you're almost like where she just got honest and was like, yeah, th I just, yeah, I don't know. It's like I got all this money and stuff, but um, I just don't, I don't feel happy. So I think maybe I'm going to become a lawyer, and then I'm going to settle down and have a family, and then, then, uh, then I'll be good. Um, that's, that's what's ahead of you. Try to do it in your own strength, man. You're, just wor you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, but when we submit our lives to God, when we submit the direction, when we submit our family's lives, our lives to him, we find peace. And that's why we need to pursue meekness. Not because it's a chore or because, oh, God told me to. Well, this is benefiting our lives. Your relationships will flourish like they never have before in your life. You will look more like Christ to people to where we can go, you know, speak the God or share the gospel and if necessary, use words. That's what it's talking about. That's what it's talking about. So I want to leave you with this because I talked super long and I apologize for that. Are you submitting to the will of God? Are you used to the hand of God? Or are you like a wild horse that resists God? Church, let's stand and worship just as we, we close out. Lord.
Lord bless you, and keep you, make his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you, and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Sing Amen. And Amen. 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 Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around.
Well, church, hold on, there we go, maybe, I don't know, there we go, I'll speak loud, <laughs> thank you, I love you, I'm grateful that um, even though we're like a few blocks away, it, the family doesn't have to stop because of, you know what I mean, the family doesn't have to stop because um, I might be at Norwich and you're at Montclair. Um, we're saved by grace, right? We're just lucky to be I'm grateful to just even be with you guys. I don't display meekness perfect. There's been a lot of times in my life, see, that I didn't pursue meekness. But, like I said, ask the Lord to help us to pursue meekness. You pray with me real quick. We'll get you out of here. You know it's You're still good to me. You're still God, I pray. Off, or we they take the reins, or we wouldn't try to. Um, sounds cliche, but like, take the wheel. God, we, we're going to crash. God, we're going to crash and we're going to burn on our own way. And so we are submitting ourselves to you. We are submitting ourselves to you. God, I pray. I just want to say thank you that your word speaks the most powerfully over even my voice or Pastor Tom's voice or anything like that. Lord. Your word speaks more. Our hearts. That as this week on it as this month and in the life groups and on church on Sunday and Sunday school, Lord, that you would soften our hearts and that you would imprint all the things you want for us on our hearts. Help us to be easily led. And I guess just to wrap it up, Lord, that we'd be meek, that we'd display it and we wouldn't just be people that have the head knowledge, but our hearts would follow as well. And that our church would be transformed, our families would be transformed, our neighborhood would be transformed for your glory, Jesus. This is all about you and your glory. So Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for this church. I pray that we continue to grow, that more people would come. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you. You have a great Sunday.